So glad you came out tonight. I'm really glad God came out tonight. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo. I'm telling you, I love His presence. And I love His presence in this place. I love worshiping Him together with you. Lord, thank you for utterance tonight. I thank you for your word. A word, a now word, a, a manifestation of your love and of your glory, of your plan in the lives of each friend that's come out tonight. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Friends, I'm going to minister to you tonight a message entitled, Restoration is in the Air. Restoration is in the air. Yeah, I grew up in San Francisco, and uh, there, the station, I guess, called KFOG was one of the few stations that my parents allowed me to listen to. And it would go ding, ding, in the air, everywhere over the Bay Area. Remember that? Those of us old-timers. I'm not an old-timer, I'm just kind of... Okay, you remember that. In the air, ding, ding, in the air, everywhere. Folks, the bell is ringing. I'm telling you, restoration is in the air. Now, here's a thought. The idea of restoration means little to you if you've never lost anything or, or if nothing was ever taken from you forcibly or you suffered a loss. Huh? But for those of us that have experienced some uh, uh, loss in some form or another... Uh, especially something that was taken unjustly away from you. Uh, maybe uh, you lost it because, uh, because it was uh, a foolish decision or ignorance or something. Or maybe you lost it because something unfair. Somebody else made a decision and you lost out on something. And it seems that that opportunity was gone forever. I want you to know something. Restoration means a whole lot more to us that have experienced real life. I mean, I appreciate a faith church, but we're a family here. Come on, let's be real. We have situations where the thief tries to come in, still kill and destroy. Is that right? And uh, if you haven't had the opportunity to fight a battle, <laughs> you're going to. <laughs> you don't have to release your faith for it. It's, it's a coming. The test is a coming. But restoration, restoration, such a wonderful word, such a wonderful, it's not just a word though, such a wonderful move of God right now for us. Let's, let me touch on a few definitions of restoration. The act or process of returning something to its original condition by repairing it or cleaning it, etc. The act of bringing it back, uh, that which existed before, bringing back to pristine condition. I don't know about you, but when those old car shows come to town and they have a fresh paint job and they have stripes don't they look good don't they turn your head or am I the only one I mean sometimes you're driving on the freeway and there's a whole line of them driving down the freeway and you just kind of go like this and you look at them or those motorcycle clubs with those Harley Davidsons they're just detailed to the max I mean they have shine on their shine I mean their chrome is blinding you know what I'm talking about when somebody takes that kind of time to detail something to, to such a degree where it's, say, pristine, to say pristine condition or immaculate condition, it, it does something on the inside of us and it makes us want to look, right? And do you know why it makes us want to look? Because God, God is a pristine God and He created us immaculate, hallelujah. Immaculately, He created us in His image. And whenever something happens in life and the move of God happens in us and restoration appears in any form, it seems like. It's like our, our souls, our human part goes, oh, we like that, don't we? I mean, we've had enough of the clunkers with the rust. Come on, the dents. Like you go there, oh, great, they put a sheet of, of, of cellophane over the window the window was broken and you know the bumpers hanging down but put next to that one that's in really mint condition our soul likes that doesn't it there's a reason for that friends and that's because God is a God of of restoration he's a God of making things right bringing them to their prime condition look at the act of returning that here's another thought the uh, we'll try to keep it somewhat simple tonight the act of returning something that was stolen or taken now let me take a little poll how many of you have ever had something stolen from you it was stolen how many had a large ticket item stolen from you something that you really liked that you put a lot of time into 
I, I mean, I, I could run down the list. I had a Guild D30. I took forever to shop that guitar. A Guild D35 on the fifth string in San Francisco. I must have dragged my wife around guitar shop after, and I found the perfect Guild D35. And you know what? We went to ministry, went to Texas, and I happened to have left it <laughs> at the church over there. And somebody broke in, and what did they do? They stole it. Did I feel good that day? Do you feel good that day? I'm looking at the power college. Do you feel good that day? Where's Chris? Huh? Do you feel good that day when something's taken from you? Huh? No, of course you don't feel good. That, because somebody say it's not right. But, but and yet in life, things like that sometimes happen. But aren't you glad God's a God of restoration? So let me, let me just uh, cover just a, another thing, uh, a couple more uh, definitions before we get into more of our little journey here. The, another thought about restoration is to reestablish, to return back to the ultimate ideal. To, for instance, to restore back to full freedom, the, the, the liberty of original standing. I mean, husbands and wives understand this. I mean, you're so in love. I mean, you are so in love. You go down that island. You are so in love. And then somewhere down the line, something happens. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't sing the song like the thrill is gone because I can't sing it as good as Pastor Mark, I'm sure. Like he knows all those top bebop or whatever those songs are. I, I never grew up with that. But on the other hand, I know that B.B. King, did, I think it was B.B. King, said something about the thrill is gone. Well, you know, uh, if, honey, if the thrill is gone, you have got to do something. You've got to get that thrill restored. Amen. I'm happy to tell you that the thrill is restored, hallelujah, after 30 Five years, thank you. Thirty-five years. <laughs> Thirty-five years of marriage. And can I just add this? Can I just be real with you? Several cycles of restoration. Like, I mean, one day you wake up, you're like, I don't like her, and, or she might say, I don't like him. But God does a work of restoration and brings it back to the full value of where you're in love. Praise God. And I'm not talking about in love by faith. I mean, you're really feeling it. I mean, guys, we know that love is not a... We, we know that love is not a feeling. Love is, you know, it, 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 it's a virtue from the fruit of the Spirit, right? And, 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 and love is not contingent on, on other people's behavior. You love it with the agape kind of way, but how many you know it just feels good when you can feel it, <laughs> where you're really feeling it? And I thank God that I'm feeling it right now. Hallelujah. Yes, I am. Anyway, moving right along here. Yes, yeah, so to reestablish to full freedom of the original standing, right from the first day I said I do, brought, brought that right back and restored it. Hallelujah. Well, you know, uh, l- let's talk real quick about uh, Deuteronomy uh, 28 and verse 31, I do want you to look at this scripture just to establish that, first of all, restoration is God's idea. God wants you to walk in restoration more than you do. (laughs) It's so important for him that you walk in restoration. I mean, sometimes people may think like, oh, you're just one of those people that are selfish. You just want to be restored. No, 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 no. It glorifies God when I'm really in love with my wife. Hello? It really glorifies God when I'm operating to full capacity. When you're operating to full or or, or pristine capacity. Somebody said amen. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 31. And notice how the lack of restoration or the absence of restoration is actually a manifestation of the curse of the law. It says, your ox shall be slain before your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Your donkey shall be violently taken away before your face and shall not be restored to you. Your sheep shall be given to your enemies and you shall have no one to help you. Now, I don't know if you've ever been there before, but because God has been so merciful and gracious to me, every what few times I have experienced a sting of something that just happens by virtue of being in the earth arena where something was taken from me or, it, or, or stolen or uh, some, something of that nature. It never occurred to such a degree where it would take me out. God always had his mercy on me because God is faithful. He said in the book of Corinthians, he is faithful not to allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but he will with the temptation make a way of escape for you. 
Amen. So you will never, if, if you're a covenant child of God and you're walking with God, nothing will ever come against your life that will overwhelm you. He will not allow that. In other words, if you're walking with God and, and you're in a mess right now, you can just trust this, that there's a way out. And God, all you got to do is find that way. And we're going to talk about restoration. Now, that's some of what we're talking about tonight. But restoration is a move of God, especially in our generation. And I don't know about you, when, when, I was, when, when I've experienced certain things like that, where something was taken from me, you know, or, 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 or there was a difficulty like that, there was always grace. There was always grace to keep on going. Hallelujah. And that, I, I tell you, not everybody has that. Every, I mean, my cars throughout my whole life, my cars have, have rarely broken down. But whenever they did break down, I just thank God. They always broke down in the easiest way. Like we were driving in the hills up in the, the north country of the Sea Ranch and up there. And I'm driving a Ford Aerostar and I'm shifting and everything. And I'm trying to downshift on those really steep grades. And when I pulled into Castro Valley, finally we used to live in Castro Valley, at that point where I went, well, let's go to the bank and uh, let's, let's just uh, see what's going on. I, I stopped at the bank and right as I pulled into the slot in Castro Valley, I'm at home. No, I'm not driving the cliffs. I'm already home from the cliffs. But at that point, I go to put it, I go to put it in park and the, and, the, and the shifting thing comes off in my hand. I'm like, what? What the? What, what is this? And, you know, the shifting mechanism in Ford Aerostars is really bad, everybody. I know, don't know if you knew it's really cheap parts, but sorry, Ford. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Ford. They're a great little workhorse. But yeah, this thing broke off right in my hand. But you know, it could have broken off while I was downshifting in one of those grades. Hello, somebody. And so guess what happened? I said, I don't know what to do. So I called up a friend. I called up my friend, Mike Quarry. And I said, hey, Mike, you work for Ford. Help me out here a little bit. It's Saturday. I got church tomorrow. I need help. My car just, he says, what do you need? And I told him, well, uh, we need, I, I need a place you have a friend or something like gee I need this fixed right away he says let me make a few phone calls all right from so I'm there parked at this place broken down but not I'm still alive somebody say thank God <laughs> and he calls me yeah my friend I can't remember what the guy's name he's right in Hayward I called the tow he says he happens to have one part of those left he'll fix it right away I says great I had the tow truck drop me off at home drop the, the Aerostar off at the guy he fixed it right there on the spot and didn't charge me that much for it how many know that that's favor but that's not the case for everybody. And maybe you've experienced something that was a little steeper than that. Like, you know, you're out camping or something and you're, I don't know how far away and your car breaks down out there. That's really tough stuff. How many ever had that happen to you? One, two, oh Lord. Well, you know, uh, let me just say this, that no one in the room envies that position. Because can I say it's a bummer in church? That's a real bummer. But I'm telling you, God is a God of restoration even through that. Let me just read a couple of accounts of how God restores and some thoughts about restoration as we continue our little journey today. Let's let's understand here that there is a precedent for restoration in the scripture. And by the way, the point, the prior point was the person would be left without help. I had help. It was all there. I mean, God took care of you. It's not like the curse where things happen to you and there's no one to help. But see, even if you had a little something go on, you know, you still have the joy of the Lord. God will bring you a little bit of help. Somebody said, Amen. Exodus chapter 22 and verse 1. I want you to notice some precedents for the idea or the principle of restoration. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters or sells it, he, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. Now, the, the, the first thing that I see here in the, in the principle of restoration is that if you lose something that it's taken away from you unfairly and it's unrecoverable, then the person that is responsible for this will have to respond, re return it not just in the amount that they took. But there is a multiplicity. Can you see that? Now, I don't know how the accounting works in heaven, but I just know that if you happen to have an ox, it's five oxes. You, somebody stole one ox, you get five. Oh, not a bad deal. I mean, try that in the stock market. And then if you had one sheep stolen, then you're going to get four in return. Not a bad deal, right? Come on, steal my, steal my ox. Here, help me out a little bit. Go ahead. You know, it's kind of like hit me. I need the money. <laughs> 
But that's, that's restoration. That's a principle of restoration, friends, even in the Old Testament. Let's look at another one. I like this. Look at it in Exodus 22, same chapter and verse 4. If the theft is certainly found alive in his hand. In other words, if the, if the sheep or the oxen, he gets caught, so to speak, red-handed and it's still alive, whether it is an ox, donkey or sheep, he shall restore how much? Double. So can you see that at least we're talking double here? So if somebody... I want to step out on a limb. If somebody stole your car, <laughs> you can get two cars back. I mean, I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, hey, why not? I mean, it's just, hey, look, we're talking spiritual principles here. And if you have, if you are walking with God, you can't lose. You cannot lose. I mean, if they broke it and took this, fine. I know who the thief is. And then I found me a scripture in, uh, in Proverbs that says, if a thief be found out, he shall restore Sevenfold. Somebody say sevenfold. Wow. So you see, you can't lose as a Christian. I see people are smiling already. I like this message. This is okay for me. So let's let's keep looking and let's look and look what it says in Proverbs six verse thirty and thirty one in the New King James Version. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. Yet when he is found, he must. This is a spiritual principle now. He must restore how many fold? Sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. In other words, no holes barred, pay up. Ever played Monopoly with somebody and you happen to own Boardwalk and Park Place and Atlantic and Vermont and all those little yellow things and they're always trying to go, Ooh, we're going around the corner, oh no. And, they, and then, oh, three, five, six, seven, oh, they go, pay up, pay up, pay up. And somebody tries to cut you a deal. I'll give you the railroad. I said, nope, give me the money, honey. Give me the money. Am I the only one? Never mind. Nobody know, even knows what Monopoly is. I know Sterling knows what Monopoly is. But I'm telling you, this is, this is just so awesome to me. This spiritual principle is real. It's real. Who is the thief according to Scripture? Yeah, I, I, know, I know that people carry out things and people break in and steal. But ultimately, the spirit of the thief is the devil. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and life more abundantly. But the thief cometh not, what? But for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Exactly what he said. So let's look at some, some things about how, what things were restored. Uh, and just some thoughts in the Old Testament. And we'll move through a couple of scenarios before we continue our little journey. Notice in the book of Genesis chapter 40 and verse 21. I'm in the New Living Translation here, and I realize that I realize that I'm being a bit elastic about this this account. This is the account of Joseph. Remember, Joseph was sold into slavery, and he was then sold to Potiphar, and then he was thrown into prison. And there he spent time, and he had a couple of dreams. And there was a there was a butler, and there was a cup holder. Uh, I mean, a baker. And he had a dream. Joseph did. Uh, they had a dream. Joseph interpreted it, and he said, "Listen, mention me to Pharaoh when you get up there." <laughs> you know. And by the way, Joseph was not bitter. Don't you get bitter? Don't get bitter. But an interesting thing, uh, there, there were some things about restoration that, that were flowing through Joseph's life. First of all, he, he foresaw and foretold that the butler would be restored. And here's a thought for those of you that have suffered uh, something in your career where someone lied or steal, stole from you or uh, defamed your character or your work. Just rejoice in God, friends, because understand that God is the restorer. And this guy, this butler was restored. He, his position was restored. Well, Pastor Tom, if I were for the whatever if I work for this company does that mean I'm going to be restored again you might but the thought is this it's not the company that you get restored to is the fact that you'll be restored to the the position that you once had and better because restitution and restoration is always better that's what I see in scripture it seems to be 
better. And by the way, yeah, the butler forgot about Joseph. But did you know that Joseph, he, the spirit of restoration was so on him that eventually he went from the dungeon in one day. I mean, you may think that nothing is happening, Pastor Tom. I'm just sitting here. I'm putting out resumes and nothing. I mean, we're, we're looking for police reports to find this or that and nothing, nothing's happening. But actually, let me just help you with, with something. Something is happening. You just can't see it. It's in the spirit. If you prayed and you know that we've been taught very well about the things of the spirit in this church. When you speak the word of God into situations, you forgive people and you're walking in love. You keep the joy of the Lord. You're trusting God and you forgive people that have wronged you when you speak a the word of God regarding your circumstance. It may be real estate. It may be a, a legal contract. It, it may be a, a schooling. It may be something that has to do with uh, H, the HR department at your job. In any case, uh, you can rest assured that the angel of the Lord is hearkening to the word or the voice of his word. And it's per- he's performing something for you. That's why it's so important that you never, never go back on what you've said. He says, you have need of pain. Patience, that after that you have done the will of God, you might receive. Come on, you've got to receive that recompense, friends. Don't you give up. So, Peter's, uh, the book of Peter is very, very clear. It says, to, it says that, that um, we are to, to not speak treacherously. If you want to see good days, whether apparent or not, it says in Peter, whether you can see it right now or not with your physical eyes, irrelevant. You have to live by faith what's in your heart. You said, I put the word out there. I forgave. I've sown seed and something's coming now if you think pastor tom had a cherry life and i just don't know what i'm talking about let me tell you something when you're almost a million dollars in debt and the market's going down like a a house on fire and you have to say that thing has got to sell in the name of jesus and you call the realtor and says no you got to drop the price another twenty thousand and by the way nobody came to the open house you know you've got to do something to keep yourself stirred up and every time i drove by that house I say I call you sold in Jesus name I call you sold in Jesus name and I I call again the realtor says well nobody showed up to the open house again but thank God I had myself a holy ghost realtor you know what they didn't just mark time and sit there and hope that someone would show up they'd march around the house too and call it sold just like I did we were in agreement hallelujah it's just a thought you want to get yourself people that are full of faith if you're in a business deal hallelujah moving right along can we hear a shout for the Lord God is good job positions being restored look at this other one in the book of second samuel 9 uh, it t- tells a story about mephibosheth and of course you know the story of mephibosheth he was the son of jonathan i'll capsulize for the sake of time jonathan the son of saul uh what would happen is that David, of course, ascended to power and he was looking for someone to to show kindness to the house of, of Saul and the house of Jonathan. And, and he said, find me any descendant. I want to find any descendant. How many of you know in this case, David was operating in righteousness. He said, find me somebody. Oh, this is good, Lord. If I have time, please help me say this right. Find me somebody that I could show kindness to for the sake of... Of Jonathan and I, I want you to know something I, we have we could learn something about this I know a lot of times us faith people don't like say oh for Jesus sake and oh that we don't pray for Jesus sake no we don't but on the other hand God will do th- something on the account and for the sake of a righteous man just because he asked because he loved the righteous man loves this person and wants to extend God's favor to him oh there's so much richness in the mercy of God he's not looking for people to withhold rest- restoration from he's looking for avenues to get the restoration out god is a restoration pusher he just just find me somebody that you will stand in the gap for so that i could pour out my restoration power on them and bring them back to where they need to be back to pristine and happy positions Hallelujah. So how we get off all that? Well, he was looking for Mephibosheth. And of course, Mephibosheth was really scared. He thought, what is happening to me? But something wonderful happened. As you know, the story, the, the lands were restored to him. The possessions were restored to him. But lest you should think that this is all about possessions and lands, his honor was restored. 
And the king said, you are going to eat at my table. Now, I don't know if there's someone within the sound of my voice that has ever experienced rejection before. I had at least one opportunity that was really, really intense. I had, an, it, as a younger man, I had, there was a little misunderstanding. And uh, someone uh, asked me, we were married at the time, so that we had to be within the last 34 years, somewhere in their early, early marriage. Um, some, someone actually threw me out of their house. We were staying for a very short period of time on our way journeying from here to there. And there was a misunderstanding. My heart was broken. My heart was so broken over that. And, uh, and I just felt like I was on the outside. And I, I, had to, I drove straight from almost across the country, middle of the country. I drove all the way back to California just weeping. I had hotels set up as my wife flew home. She's pregnant with Gabe. But I was going to drive so many miles and stop. You know, I never stopped. I cried and drove all the way across the U.S. from like the middle of the U.S. to over. I cried all the way. So heartbroken. That how could this have happened? I love these people. I, this is my dear friend. How, what happened? I, I couldn't dig myself out of that. And I felt like I was on the outside looking in. I mean, anybody ever been rejected like that? You know, God is a restorer. He is such a restorer. What did I do? Well, I gave that to God. God, eventually, he did heal my heart. Hallelujah. But what are we talking about? The, the position of honor. You know, it, it feels good when you get with, with your own company. And, you know, I explained to Kimberly what happened. We didn't have cell phones back then, did we, honey? Everything, you had to use a pay phone. But um, God is good. I, I, I'm, I, I digress. I need to keep moving. Praise the Lord. All right. Moving right along. Possessions, lands, and honor. But relationships those relationships it just touched my heart that he would have Mephibosheth say, when he said to him you will eat at my table the high, think about it the highest table in the land it doesn't get much higher than that you will sit daily at my table I will keep company with you friends just think about this Jesus is asking you to take a place at the table next to him Regardless of where you were or where you've been or where you feel like you should have done this or should have done that, the invitation for that kind of relationship exists. That's powerful. That's powerful. And, and I, I didn't want to look at verse 8 real quick and I'll move on. This is Mephibosheth speaking. He bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou should look upon such a dead dog as I? I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was driving back across the U.S., I felt like a dead dog. But God is good. Good. He brought me back. He's feeding me at his table. Hallelujah. Fe- feeding me and sitting at his, at his feet. Hallelujah. Let's look at 2 Kings. We'll just re- recapsulize this. Oh, I love this one. Remember the Shunammite woman had a son that died and uh, the son was raised to life. Look at, look at the, the timing of this was not coincidental because God is the God of restoration. Think about this. They were telling the account, this king, it says, now it happened, 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 5. It says this, now it happened as he was telling the king how he had restored the dead to life, that there was a woman whose son he had restored to life appealing to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, my lord, O king, guess what? This is the woman. And this is her son whom Elisha restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. I mean, do you, I mean, what are the odds? What are the odds that someone just happens to be recounting and reading something to the king? And, and he's telling, oh, yeah, and by the way, you know, Elisha raised somebody from the dead, you know. And, oh, yes. Yeah, so, so, and then look up and there's that lady. Come on. Uh, that's you. That's me. We're in the right place. Somebody said it at the right time. And something happens when you're at the right place at the right time because restoration is in the air look what happened he said he said so the king appointed the certain officer for her saying restore all that was hers and all the proceeds of the field from the day that she left it until now that's back pay or you might call it payback whatever you call it it's good somebody ought to shout because God is no respecter of persons <laughs> I really like this. 
in the book of Leviticus, uh, it talks about Jubilee. Now, we've all, most of us have heard about Jubilee. But in Leviticus 25, verse 10 through 13, it kind of delineates the concept of, of Jubilee. And it doesn't say, yeah, I guess it does say restoration in there. Notice what it says. And you shall, in verse 10 of Leviticus 25, I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. And you shall hallow the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you, and each of you shall return to his ancestral possession, uh, which through poverty, uh, the, through poverty he was compelled to sell, and each of you shall return to his family from whom he was separated in bond service. Let me just go into this little verse of scripture just a little bit. I think it would be, even if it was a blessing to one person, it's worth it. Friends, in that day, when times were hard, and you know, there's all hard times come to everybody. There's nothing new under the sun. But oftentimes, if for some reason, someone in that culture was not able to pay their bills, what they would have to do is the same thing that people do here. They, I have a, they take their things to the pawn shop and pay, they get pennies on the dollar. I mean, they, you might, they might have paid, you know, uh, six to eight hundred dollars for their whatever it is, but then they turn it into the, uh, let's call it an iPad, and they take it to the pawn shop, and the pawn shop, what, will give them like 75 bucks or something like that. <laughs> like, really? You know, and then they'll charge them a high degree of interest you know, just to get this puny amount, like pennies on the dollar, and most of the time people are in a bad way and they can't get it back. And I I have known people that live their life this way. They spend all this money on something and then they get they they get behind on their bills and oh my lord, they go to a pawn shop or something and then they get the fraction of the value of it. Hello, somebody. Am I talking to anybody here? I mean, if, if you've never had to go, in, thank God I've never had to go to a pawn shop except to look for a stolen guitar. But <laughs> but besides that, besides that, um, what, what they would do is they would have to sell their property. They'd have to sell it to pay their bills. And if they didn't have enough money still, they would have to sell their sons and their daughters and themselves and they would go into servitude. Only here's the thought. What would happen is they would, if, if their amount of service would equal the amount that they owed, then they can go free. But here's a real kicker and what really makes me happy. In the year of Jubilee, it was like the wild card. Anyone that had sold their properties or sold their sons or their daughters, they would get them all back. Give it back. Give it all back. Now, I don't know if, if you feel this way, but if, if some, someone is very, very special to you and if for one reason or another they go away and, it, and you don't see them for a very, very long time and then you get a chance to finally see them again, it could be a mom, it could be a dad, it could be a brother, sister, or a very dear friend. It just brings such a degree of joy and satisfaction to have them back. Think about this. A family that hit, hit hard times. Friends, you may be one of us that hit some hard times. <laughs> But Jubilee is here. Jubilee is here, friends, to get you to a place where you can get things that God gave you in the first place. Because when we're talking about possession, things that God gave you, you may have had to give it up temporarily. But thank God, He has given it back to you. He is the God of restoration. That excites me, friends. Jubilee was not just for the Jews. And Jubilee is a spiritual move. It's not just... For the Jews, it's for us too. The year Jesus is our Jubilee. And He will restore, praise God, to us. I could go on and on. I won't for the sake of time, but I'll just mention that if you feel nervous about the economy, don't be nervous. Instead, you should pray for our nation. Pray for wisdom for our nation. Pray that people would turn from their wicked ways. Oh, I'm going to, I wish I could talk to you about Nehemiah. And that's coming. Hmm. But what I wanted to say is this. God restored 
a city's, a large city's economy in one day. In 2 Kings 7, you know the story of the lepers. The four lepers that said, why are we sitting here until we die? I mean, look, let's at least, we're starving, right? Okay, at least let's get up and let's do something. Let's go over to the camp of the Syrians and hey, if they don't kill us, maybe they'll throw us a bone. I like a bone. Yeah, bone sounds good to me. I like, you think it has barbecue sauce? Maybe, let's go, let's go check it out. Maybe we'll get some vittles, all right? But if they kill us, we die. If we don't get anything to eat, we die anyway. So let's just do something. Friends, there is such a lesson in that, in you doing something. I'm a little ahead of myself on this point, but you have some, we have something to play in the role of God's restoration. Oftentimes, I won't say always, but it seems to me that oftentimes what you do is crucial to the restoration of not only yourself, but others. When these four were encouraged enough to do something, I remember preaching a message recent, uh, years ago called, Don't Just Sit There, Do Something. I might have to dust, take the dust off of that sermon. But the thought here is this. These guys found some motivation. Instead of being depressed and uh, humbled by the circumstances, they were difficult circumstances. They were hungry and they were at the lower lung, rung of life. You know that lepers were not on the in crowd. What they did is they stirred themselves up to do something. And when they stirred themselves to do something, God got a hold of their something. And God will get a hold of your something. So they, of course, the story goes, they went to the camp of the Syrians. The Syrians got confused. They heard a whole army coming. And they, of course, found all the food they could possibly want and all the raiment they could possibly want. And then they finally said, hey, we're not doing the right thing. We need to share this with someone else. Of course, they went back, shared the news. And there was one counselor to the king that did not believe the report. If you're going to get in on restoration that's in the air, catch this now, you need to be one of those that believes God, that believes the report. Because what he, what he the, the prophecy said, he said, uh, he said this mockingly, he says, now the king appointed the officer on whose, whose hand he leaned to take, this is verse 17 up there, I better tell you where I am. Um, I'm in um, 2 Kings chapter 7, and I'm in verse number 17. Now the king had appointed the officer on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate. But the people trampled him in the gate and he died, just as the man of God had said, who spoke when the king came down to him. So it happened just as the man of God uh, had spoken to the king, saying that two seahs of barley for a shekel and a seah of fine flour for a shekel shall be sold tomorrow, which was an impossibility. That was just crazy impossible. I mean, we're talking about people that are eating their kids and arguing, let's eat your kid today, I'll eat my kid tomorrow. I mean, you know, it was really rough days that day. But honestly, the officer said, now look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could such a thing be in verse 19? He didn't believe it. But look what it says in 20. And, and he that had said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Look, friends, can I just encourage you tonight? Don't be one of those people that watches the rest of us get restored and just... Just God do wonderful things in your life. Don't, don't sit on the sidelines. Get in on it. Exercise your faith for others and get in on what God is doing. Amen? Now let's look at something else here as we, as we continue on our little journey. Um, just a couple of thoughts. Um, let's talk about restitution here. The act of returning something that was lost or stolen to its owner. Payment that is made to someone for damage or trouble. So in addition, friends, to just an item being taken or in addition to maybe your children being or something being taken from you, whatever you suffered, I love what Pastor Brenda preaches around here. She says, you're going to get double for your trouble. You've heard, you've heard of lawsuits that go flying all the time. They say, uh, we had a lawsuit for pain and suffering. <laughs> you know. So this is more than just that my car got messed up. Uh, it's pain and suffering involved. Oh, friends, catch this. God is interested in you collecting, hallelujah, for the, any damage, but also for the trouble that you have, any inconvenience. Wow, treading in tall cotton, Christian. How about recompense? Look at this. To give something 
to someone such as a reward or money or something as a payment for loss or suffering. So I think we've made our point clear. God is not just interested in having us operate in a spirit of restoration just for things or just for people but even if, if what you had to go, even what, what you went through was uncomfortable or painful he's going he's gonna to cause that to come to you recompense is of God and he's going to cause you to even forget the former pain somebody said amen why should we live in past pain friends when God has such wonderful things for us in our future amen let me just read Isaiah 61, 6 and 7. It says this, But you shall be named the priest of the Lord. They shall call you servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have, say it, double honor. Ooh, wow. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their Portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess how much? Double. In the land of your life, friends, God wants you to possess double. Therefore, possess double. Everlasting joy shall be whose? Shall be theirs. Amen. Here's a little thought about Job. We won't read the story, but um, you know that in the account of Job, uh, four, chapter 42, uh, Job has lost everything that he had, but he, uh, he, it says that when he went to pray for his friends, amen, when he prayed for his friends that God restored, verse 12 of Job 42, and the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for he had all this 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 ox, and all that. Verse 13, and he also had seven sons and three daughters, and all their names, which... Uh, Frankly, honestly, we can't pronounce, but they're in there. And then in verse 15, and in the land there was no women so fair as the daughters of Job, and their father gave them inheritance among their brothers. And then Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons, even to four generations. And Job died an old man full of days. But God gave him in verse 10 twice as much as he had before. I call that compensation. Can you say compensation? Thank you, Lord. Now, as we close our little time tonight, let me just uh, touch on a couple of little concepts. Amen. Who I, I love in Genesis 15, Abraham recognized God as the God of compensation. Let's read this. I think it bears it, it, it bears merit. Genesis 14, verse 21. I'm in the Amplified Bible. All right, they should have it up for you. Notice this. And the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give me the persons and keep the goods for yourself. Of course, Abraham came and he rescued his nephew and, and the town that they were ransacked by these kings. And, uh, and Abraham rescued them. And, and so he's, the king of Sodom is trying to get Abraham to take, you know, money for it and what have you. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up my hand and sworn to the Lord God most high, the possessor and maker of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or shoelace or anything that is yours, lest you should say I have made Abram rich. Take all except only what my young men have eaten and the share of the men, the allies who went with me, and he names them off, let them take their portion. And notice what God says in Genesis 15:1. He says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham. Tonight he's telling you, Fear not, dear child, son, daughter. I am your shield and your abundant compensation. And your reward shall be minimal. It'll be satisfactory. No, it says your reward shall be exceeding great. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I want, I want to show you something very interesting. The manifestation of this word that came forth to Abraham came as he was doing something for someone else. I just want you to notice that. He was going out to fight for the life of his foolish nephew. Right? Right? And while he was serving his nephew in the name of the Lord, then God turned around and says, Guess what? Fear not. I'm your abundant compensation. While Job was praying for his friends, God says, Guess what? I'm going to give you double than what you had. 
I mean, there's just something to be said here about not living to yourself. It's somehow, I just see in scripture, it seems to be released as you're doing things for other people. As you're releasing your faith for the lost. As you're praying for not only your loved ones, but other people's loved ones too. Hallelujah. Can you see this, friends? In Isaiah 58, I love this. We're drawing to a close. Isaiah 58 and verse 5 through 14. Uh, the writer says this. Is, is, is it a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast acceptable day to the Lord? Now, I want you to notice something. The thought here is like, oh God, look what a mess we're in. I'm in sackcloth. But I want you to notice the attention and the focus in the scripture. He says, he immediately turns and says, this is what I'm looking for. This this is what I'm looking for. And you're going to notice that it has to do with helping other people. Watch this. It says, is not this the fast that I have chosen to do what? To loose the bonds of wickedness, undo the heavy burdens, let the oppressed go free, uh, free, and that you break every yoke is it not to share somebody say share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your home the poor who are cast out and you see the naked that you cover them and that you hide yourself not from your own flesh and that you're then your light shall break forth like the morning can you see this theme friends that as you're serving other people as you're praying for somebody else not just thinking about yourself us for no more Then your light shall break forth like the morning and your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. Now going on, if verse you know, still half of verse 9 there. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul... Come on to the hungry. I heard an amen from, the, from Martha over there. Uh, God, You know what? God bless the We Care ministry in this church, man, for what they do. I mean, week in and week out, feeding the hungry. Come on, friends. God is, takes note of that. But it says here, where was I? I got excited and lost my place. Thank you very much. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. And you shall be like a water garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not or do not fail. Those from among you, and I love this part, we're going to park here for a little bit. Those from among you shall build old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. And you shall be called the repairer of the breach. What? The restorer of streets to dwell in. Now, I understand that in that day, literally, there were buildings. There were, architecturally speaking, there were, the, it, the, the city was in a rubble, in, in a ruined state. And I understand that. I get that. But... In addition to that, spiritually, what we could see from that here is, this is what I got. You shall restore and lift up the foundations of many generations. Let me touch on this, if you allow me. In prayer, we were praying about this uh, a number of weeks ago, and, uh, and we felt inspired to pray this. And um, when you think about this, the, the, the book of Proverbs says, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So the thought here is, is that you need something to work with when you're praying for, for people, praying for the lost, or you're praying for your family members, or you're praying for your nation. There's got to be something. There's got to be a handle somewhere in there. Even if it's just a little root or a stump in the ground, there's got to be something. Get your hand on it. There's got to be a fun. Because he says, if the foundations be destroyed, then what can the righteous do? But what I was sensing in that is that as we pray over our kids, if we pray over our nation in various areas that we can apply ourselves to think of other people and not just think about ourselves. Somebody said, amen. Amen. 
that the Lord will help you to reestablish and firm up what little foundation is still left there and bring those kids back and bring that husband back. Bring that wife back. Hello. Bring that uncle back, that mom, that, that grandma. Bring them back to a place of grace and restoration in God. You know, and, and, and what, I, what I really saw on this is, the, it said the foundations of many generations. So what I saw was multiple generations there. So I saw, you know, there are, there are situations in families, let's, let's be honest about it. It's, it's very rare to find an entire family, great-grandma, great-grandpa, grandma and grandpa, the uh, mom and dad, then the kids and then the kids' kids. It's very rare to see them all cohesive and thriving. Somewhere in there, the devil has messed in there. And somebody, if, if mom and dad were serving the Lord, then junior something doing something screwy over here. Hello. Or, or we got an uncle that's way out in left field over there. And all his family is a bunch of nuts, fruits, and flakes. Am I the only person or what? You know what I'm saying? But, but there's that remnant. There's that root. There's that foundation. You stand at the root of your family. Don't they call it a family tree? And can't you stand at that foundation? And can't we pray for the families in our church? And can't we stand faithfully understanding that we can restore generation after generation after generation? And I just, I realize that people move around in that. But I suddenly saw a manifestation of generational salvation. I saw a road taken up by the whole family. It blessed my heart one day when I, when I see a family. I mean, I love everybody that comes to church. I love everybody. You know that. But somehow it just stands out just like it does when somebody has 12 kids. Like, one, two, three. Wow, really? Five, six, six. How many kids do they have? I, ain't I, who's the mom anyway? You're like, like, <laughs> you know, uh, how many of you ever seen large families before? I mean, more, I'm talking more than three or four, more than five. I'm seven, eight, nine, ten kids. And when you see that, doesn't that do something to you? Like, like you kind of know, like, say what? <laughs> it makes you think, like, you need an operation here. They have to put, you have to have a schedule for the bathroom. And man, you really, it, you sit up and you take note. Because it's more than just two or three or four. It's a whole battalion. The whole, the whole troop is coming in. The whole football team is coming in. Well, what I saw in my spirit, I'm not saying that everything, but I saw, I saw row after row of families. I saw the grandpa, the grandma, the mom and dad, the kids, the great grandkids, the kids. I saw God restoring people. Now, I'm not saying they're all coming to church all, all every Sunday at the same time, but I saw that there's a camaraderie that God is, is working. Now, you know, that scripture. The Bible says it's part of restoration that we talk, we're talking that restoration is in the air. In the book of Malachi chapter 4, we won't turn there for the sake of time, but he talks about how I will restore the hearts of the father back to the children and the children back to the father. This is a divine move of God and it's in the last days. And oh my goodness, I'm telling you, God is doing amazing things, restoring the relationship between mom, dad and the kids and mom, dad and the grandparents. Somebody said amen. amen. Luke 1.16, Jesus, or rather in Luke 1.16, notice this, and he will turn back the and cause to return many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will himself go before him in the spirit of and the power of Elijah to turn back the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient and the incredulous and unpersuadable to the wisdom of the upright. I mean, you know, these kids, they saw it's like a rock, man. You try to love on them and tell them that God try to get them. Remember how you were trained? That's not how we trained you up. We prayed for you. We went to church. What are you? thinking what are you doing and you think like wow are we ever is this ever going to come through but the fact of the matter is i have scripture on it it says i'm going to i'm going to turn the unpersuadable to the wisdom of god you know the unpersuadable the ones that seem so hard god is good friends he's turning them to the wisdom of the upright hallelujah and the knowledge of the holy love and will of god that is that tastes so good in my mouth to so just think about it all these precious kids or really precious parents that are without God and you might be sitting here you might be the only one in your family but God is listening to your prayer and God is bringing a supernatural move of restoration somebody say amen 
So as we close tonight, dear friends, I want to just encourage you. You can be a catalyst for restoration. This is your role in rest. Our, my, your role and my role in restoration. I love this. Pastor read this scripture some time ago. A couple, I think maybe it was three weeks ago. Isaiah 42, 42. I have this in the Amplified Bible. Look what it says. But this people, this is a people robbed and plundered. Now think about some of the people you know. And this is exactly the condition that they're in. They're robbed, they're plundered, they're, uh, they are all of them snared in holes and hidden in houses of bondage. They have become a prey with no one to deliver them, a spoil, no one to say, restore them. Or how about this, no one to stand up to that devil and say, no, 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 you restore right now. That that was the condition. Now notice what it says in the Amplified. This shows the condition that will ensue as Israel's punishment for not recognizing the servant of the Lord in the day of his visit among them. Well, here's a thought. I, I know we're not talking about Israel tonight, but people that don't acknowledge the day of visitation of the Lord, they're in a mess. They're just suffering. People are really, really, really hurting. But you know what? We could be one of those people that we're, that we're going to come on the scene and we're going to declare restore and restoration. Let me explain something. Nehemiah chapter 5 and verse 8 through 12 real quickly. It tells the story of how Nehemiah was assessing things in the city and he noticed that there were a lot of Jewish brothers that were in slavery. Can you hang with me for five minutes? Three minutes. Three, who will give me three minutes? Three minutes. Three minutes. Okay. He says, well, we according to our ability have uh, bought back our Jewish brethren who were sold to the nations. But will you even sell your brethren that they may be sold to us? And they were silent and found not a word to say. In other words, they, these were people that were sold into slavery because they didn't have money to pay their bills. So Nehemiah and his, and his band, they bought them out of slavery. Then they came over here and now they don't have food to eat. And then it's like they're selling themselves again to the Jewish people. They're like, I need food to eat. And he's going like, what's going on here? And I want you to notice something. And I, uh, I said in verse 9, also I said, what you are doing is not good. You should not walk. You sh- should you not walk in the fear of God to prevent the taunts and reproach of the nation over enemies. And enemies. Verse ten. I, my brethren, and my servants are lending them money and grain. Let us stop this forbidden interest. Man, I mean, usury is, is another word for it. Oh my gosh, the price of things today, the rents and things are just ridiculous. My heart goes out to our, our families. Return this very day their fields, their vineyards, olive groves and houses. Also, a hundredth of all the money, grain, new wine and oil that you have ex- exacted from them. So he stood up like, like, it's not okay what's happening, friends. The way that people are cheating people and causing young families and the ridiculous price that are being charged it's not right and if you have it within your power to be a blessing don't turn a deaf ear or a you know do something if you could speak up and do something for families so he did he, he, he stood up and he, he spoke out and he said you guys need to straighten up you need to restore what you took from these people and they guess what all it took was somebody to say something and all I got to say this I mean it's amazing if you would just take a stand and do something like the ice bucket challenge how many you know what the ice bucket challenge is I, I, that started with like one person. They just boom, they dumped these ice water on themselves and they sent it to somebody else. Okay, then the next person. All of a sudden, everybody's doing the ice bucket challenge. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. One person got a vision and they did something to help somebody else. And all of a sudden it went, somebody say viral, and everybody's doing the ice. Yes, even Pastor Brenda has done the ice bucket challenge. Please don't make me do the ice bucket challenge. I don't know if I'd survive. But anyway, the thought here, friends, is that he stood up and he said something. Amen. God's plan is for us to stand up and say something. And even if it's to a friend, community is so important, friends. I really dislike what Cain said, but it manifests where he was at. You can close your Bibles. We're closing on these scriptures here. 
Genesis 4, 9 said this. God said to Cain, where's Abel, your brother? And he said, how should I know? I mean, if you just feel that attitude. I know this is in the message Bible. How should I know? Is, am I my brother's babysitter or something? <laughs> you know, and, and, and the thought here is, friends, you know what? We need to bear one another's burdens. That's part of community. Confess our sins, therefore, to one to another, says James 5. And confess your slips, your false steps, offenses, and, and slips. And pray for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind. God is into restoration. Restoration is in the air. How many of you know that as we not only seek for our, ourselves and our families, but particularly as we seek for others, that God's going to manifest and restore to you and bring you back so that you can walk on the high places of life with Him. Amen. Let's give God a shout tonight. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your spirit of restoration. We pray for the families in this church, Lord. We so rejoice that you've given us word and the precedent in your word for restoration. We're so grateful, God. And we're asking you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name, to manifest yourself. We believe, be it unto us according to your word. We pray for restoration, those that don't have jobs, God, or have been, have been put out of jobs for one reason or another. We continue to speak restoration, God, in Jesus' name. Positions in God. Lord, we pray for those that are fighting physical situations, we, physical ailments. We pray for for restoration, Father God, in their bodies, in Jesus' mighty name. We pray for marriages that are having a hard time. Moms and dads, Lord, that are having difficult times with their kids. Father, kids that are having a difficult time with their parents. We pray for restoration in Jesus' mighty name. Let healing come. Let understanding come. A refreshing in Jesus' mighty name. And we give you glory and honor praise for it. And Lord, we do not neglect to pray for our nation. We pray, Lord God, that this great United States of America would be restored, praise God, that you would restore the judges in this land. You would restore the counselors as you promised you would in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father. Come on, pray with me for a minute. In Jesus' mighty name, we continue to pray for the reign of the Spirit in this land. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.